Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's sein Rhythmus, als gäb's sein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hallo und willkommen zu Gegenpressing. I'm your host Manuel Fate. And yeah, joining me is Stefan Bienkowski. Stefan, how's it going? Yeah, very, very well. The first match day is done and it was full of drama and excitement. So I'm a very happy man. Yeah, I, I am too tired, Stefan. The the Rona finally got me. Um, so I spent all weekend lying on the couch watching football. It was terrible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> uh, yeah, thankfully, uh, the vaccines have done their job and... Uh, I'm more or less through it already. Um, tired though. I don't know how you felt after years, but I'm tired. Um, see how long that's going to last. But um, excited for what we get to, to cover today because I think we have a lot of really interesting topics and um, an exciting week ahead too with, with lots of topics that have come up after this match day, during the match day. And I think um, probably with much further ado, we should just jump right into it. This episode of the Game Pressing Podcast is brought to you at Bet Online. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events. The first to market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information, from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first spot bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that is B-L-E-A-V-5-0, BELIEVE50, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on our first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Yeah, um, so, the opener. Um, we had a different opinion about how this game is going to go. Um, I said it will be close. You said it wouldn't be. And uh, <laughs> unfortunately for me, fortunately for you, you were right. <laughs> this wasn't close at all. I mean, it, it, in fairness, very, very impressive by Bayern. Very impressive. Also in fairness, not very impressive by Eintracht Frankfurt. What do you think? <laughs> Yeah, you know, um, I hate to say I told you so, but yeah, uh, you, did. <laughs> no, you know, I've just spent much this summer just kind of thinking there's something not quite right about Frankfurt. They don't seem to do enough business in the transfer window. And mm. uh, there's so much noise around Kostic. I was actually quite surprised that he played because there still seems to be reports that he's on the still on the verge of signing for Juventus. So I was quite surprised that he did start. Um. I don't know. I just thought, I honestly thought Frankfurt were embarrassing, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, and I know that sounds harsh, but it, 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 I'm really surprised in the manner in which they were that bad because obviously Oliver Glasner is a very tactically astute head coach. Hmm. He knows what he's doing. Um, 
And you would have thought, based on their success last season, it being a defensive counter-attacking side, they would be fine. But they were just, obviously, just absolutely sparkled by those first two goals in the first, what, 11 minutes. Uh, the Kimmich goal, I think, is unforgivable uh, for Kevin yeah. Trapp. And I do think, even though he's one of the best goalkeepers in the Bundesliga, he does have these periodic performances where everything just seems to go through him. Um I thought he could have done better for the Manny goal as well, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, but, you know, just watching back the highlights as well today, I just think Frankfurt were just wide open from start to finish. And, you know, I know they had a goal that's allowed, and I know Manuel Neuer kind of helped them out with a consolation, but it's it was just... Yeah, it was just embarrassing, to be honest with you. I think I think Bayern are very good, but they made them look outstanding. Uh, mm. And I... And I you know, and I, and I kind of just repeat what I've kind of said in our previous to this new season. I'm, I'm not worried about Frankfurt. I don't think they're going to get relegated, but I think they are probably just going to get chewed up in the mid-table, like a lot of teams who don't really have enough quality to kind of push on into the top six. Yeah, and then you add the Champions League to it as well. Mm. Uh, and all the extra cup competition that they're in, including the... the what is for their for them a really big game on Wednesday, and I think we're going to touch on that um, um, in a moment here. But and an observation that I made, I, mean, I thought this is probably the most interesting part, and it's still early in the season, so I don't want to. You know, there was a lot of doom and gloom about the, the status of the league and where it is at, and uh, international observers. I think I always have a field day when it comes to the Bundesliga and bashing it um, because of Bayern's dominance. And unfortunately for the Bundesliga, the, the scheduling of this game as the the opener was maybe not the most smartest business decision to make. Um, but I think Bayern just looked astonishingly good, and. Um, they found, I think, a solution to what troubled them the most, which was like a back three. When they played a back three last year, they, they seemed to struggle because a back three seemed to really isolate and almost um, de- decapitate their, their, their striker, right? Robert Lewandowski. And mm-hmm. um, this formation, this 4 2 2 2, um, that also was very effective against Leipzig in the first half. Um, had a great time with that back three because it just meant that there was so much wide area that they could explore. Um, didn't help that Frankfurt also, you know, was disastrous play in executing their back three. But I think it really showed that, you know, maybe playing without Lewandowski makes it harder for teams that previously had an easier time playing against Bayern. And it's because this, they all of a sudden over have the ability to really overwhelm other teams with their speed, but also with their creativity. And, you know, the two players that really stood out for me were was Mane and then Musiala, um, who I think is, you know, he was voted. And I thought this was a little odd, Stefan. I'm curious what you think about this. But Bundesliga.com voted Sadio Mane and Jamal Musiala as the man of the match together for the entire <laughs> match day. I'm I'm sorry. Musiala was good. Uh, Mane was good, but... Musiala scored two goals and was involved in all the others. It seems like they just wanted to maybe put their new star on a pedestal a little bit. Yeah, it seemed like that, wouldn't it? Um, yeah. And yeah, it's very bizarre. But you know, um, it it was it was it was a perfect it was a perfect opening match for Bayern. Um, 
And we'll just kind of have to wait and see if better teams can kind of put them to the sword. But yeah. at the moment, they look like a very good team. Nagelsmann seems to finally have the tactics that he wants to play. Um, and yeah, the interesting thing is that, you know, <laughs> after a whole summer of Bayern apparently wanted Leimer, um, Marcel Sabitzer is now a starter for the club. <laughs> you know, it's... And he was excellent. Again, yeah. second game in would, a row. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, he was great in the Super Cup. He's great in this game. Um, yeah. It just seems to be like, it just kind of goes to show that if you actually just wait around and work on players rather than just buying new ones every summer, then sometimes it works out in your favor. Mm. I almost wonder if their interest in Lima was literally just to get Sabitza going. Mm. <laughs> Well, yeah, I if think that was the tactic. I think, it worked. <laughs> I, I, yeah, a, a cynic may suggest that they sometimes just declare their interest in rivals' players just to kind of shake things up in preseason, but I couldn't mm. possibly comment. <laughs> um, I guess the question then is: with this performance, do we end the Bundesliga campaign here and there and proclaim Bayern Munich as the champion for all eternity? <laughs> no, I think that'd be quite stupid. Uh, there's still a lot of football left to play. Frankfurt are a very average Bundesliga side, and there's nothing else really to read into, I think. Hmm. Yeah, I think the, the other thing then too is, um, what do you make of this as the opening game? Would have been maybe better to choose someone else, you know, um, another opening game, so that, you know, the entire world doesn't see the Bundesliga opening to Bayern Munich smashing an opponent who isn't quite up to the standard. I don't know. I, I don't really buy into this kind of... I think this is just kind of usually just flamed by fans and pundits of the league on Twitter just kind of talking to themselves or picking up on what other people said. I, I did respond to a few different people on Twitter this mm-hmm. week who are poking fun in the league, but... Honestly, I just don't think it's that big of a deal, to be honest with you. No one who supports the Bundesliga or follows the Bundesliga is going to watch, see that result, and think anything else of it, and vice versa. Um, So, you know, I mean, I actually think this is actually one of our topics for the the extra podcast, or the bonus podcast this week, because someone's asked a really good question ahead of me recorded. So, you know, we can maybe get into more Mm in-depth there, but I, I, I mean, would have made any difference if, say, you know, this game was on the Sunday, and after watching Dortmund struggle against Leverkusen, Leipzig get held up by Stuttgart, Bayern go on and romp to a 6-1 win. Do you think it's going to make much of a difference? I don't think so. No, I think that people who want to say the things that they said would have said it no matter what. You're probably right. Um, then about Frankfurt. So, of course, the for a lot of for a lot of teams, the, the UEFA Super Cup is probably just a nuisance. You know, an add-on a game that you would like to win, but don't really need to win. And, you know, that's because usually the teams that are involved are, are quite big. Um, but this is, I think for Frankfurt, is actually quite a special occasion. And I think there's even talk that with Philip Kostic now uh, headed to Juventus, the, the latest is that there's been breakthrough negotiations and he's going to sign. But there is talks now that he's actually going to play this game for Frankfurt before he's moving to Juventus. Which I think would be a nice, nice goodbye. Um, of course, there's also history, and you know this because this particular game in 1960 took place in Glasgow, 
Um, I don't want to suggest that you were alive for it, but you can tell good <laughs> stories about it, <laughs> um, which is considered one of the greatest um, European Cup finals in the history, um, up there with that 3-3 between Milan and Liverpool. Um, or was it? It was 7-3, right? Yeah, 7-3 or 7-4. But um, this is kind of a repeat of that game. And just like then... Frankfurt are probably just as much as an underdog as they were then as well against a Real Madrid side that is very, very good. So having taken a look at this Bayern game, should Frankfurt fans just say, well, it's fun to be part of this, but we're probably going to get smashed? Or do you think there's actually some, this is going to be the, one of those typical Bundesliga moments where a team gets smashed by Bayern, but then goes and turns around and does something like Frankfurt has done with when they beat Barcelona? I mean... It would be the most Bundesliga thing ever if Frankfurt go and actually win the Super Cup. <laughs> it would, wouldn't it? Um, I mean, I, I, I think what's far more likely is something similar to what happened on Friday night, to be perfectly honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I said, I'm just not thinking there's a whole lot going for this team at the moment. But um, yeah, it would be very Frankfurt, wouldn't it? I mean, I don't really know how much Real Madrid take this game seriously. I suppose they would since this is all part of their legacy. But yeah, I guess we'll have to just wait and see. I think Frankfurt fans will probably be more concerned about how they do against other mid-table teams rather than whether they can stand up against Bayern Munich and Real Madrid because you know that game, that opening game in this game itself will play a huge part. I mean, obviously it's huge, you know, for the club itself and historically that if they can win that, then they can go on and play in the Club World Cup, I suppose, and things like that, which is mm-hmm. something that Frankfurt don't really get to take part in. Um, but having watched them against Bayern Munich, I'm not holding out a huge amount of hope um, when they come up against Vinicius Junior, Benzema, etc. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be... I think I'm definitely going to watch it. Um, I'm looking forward to it. But for Frankfurt fans, you know, I, I guess it's all the, the highlights at the start of the year. Uh, Bayern and Real, uh, the Champions League draw, and then uh, a bunch of mid-table games. Um, let's move on to Saturday. And the Berlin Derby. And I think at least I got that one right, Stefan. I said 3-1. <laughs> That's how it ended. Um, and in fairness, I was lucky it ended, ended 3-1 because that could have also been 4-5 or now for Union Berlin. I mean, the gulf between those two teams is is gigantic at the moment. Yeah. it. You know, a lot of people were asking about whether it's smart to put this game on so early in the season. Um mm. Again, I don't think it really made much of a difference. I think this is the result we were always going to get no matter when these two teams played. It's one club in the ascendancy, one club that I think will probably be fighting relegation for much this season. And, you know, they just look very different on the pitch as they have done off it for some time now. So it's in, it's encouraging, I think, for Bundesliga fans in general because of the way Union, you know, as they are as a club, how they've, how they've behaved off the field and how smart they've been, you know, in the transfer window especially mm. in contrast to Hertha. But, um, yeah, this I, I predicted a pretty comfortable win for Union as well, I think. I thought uh, there's only one result here, and I wasn't surprised to see it happen at all or to see their new signings doing so well. Yeah. yeah Jordan, Sibachu, Pifok, um, who has done us all a favor, just has put Jordan on the shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so i think that's what we're just gonna go by jordan has done really well for them i i i think he's uh and this, this is a, a piece that i'm going to do for for the sub stack this week is i'm gonna 
I look at him and Union Berlin's recruitment in general, and I think that was he he's been an excellent signing for them, and um, it just shows how intelligent they have been in, in on the market when when it comes to acquiring players and then moving them on and then right away filling that gap. And um, Sheldon Becker was another one who I thought was really impressive, and then Lieberling came on; he was impressive as well, and. Yeah, I think that Union Berlin. I I said to you when before we recorded. I think top six finish for them again. Um, they look very strong, and I think we we can be really excited about having a strong team in the Bundesliga like them. So uh, we'll see. Um, Stefan, the top spiel. Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can hear your enthusiasm about this one. Was not very good, was it? Um. <laughs> it was it was it was certainly interesting. Um I don't think a lot of football actually got played, to be perfectly honest with you. Um yeah. it was just one of those kind of stop start games, the referees calling a foul every sixty seconds. I thought Leverkusen in particular were very dirty in the first half, I must admit. Um yeah. you know, and I mean, I know Herodeki eventually got sent off, but he wasn't potentially couldn't have been the only one. But you know, I did think it was a really interesting match because you know Dortmund obviously couldn't catch a break in the sense that Adeyemi had to come off injured. He looked very bright at the start, and then as soon as he went off, they just had no they just had no um, outball, which is yeah. kind of understandable because obviously Sebastian Haller is out right now, um, battling his illness and I think you know obviously people listening to this one I know that Modest has signed for the club and I think having watched that game you can see why they were so desperate to sign a player like that because Mukuku although he did well when on the ball he just could not hold the ball up whatsoever um he there was no there was to the to the point where for large chunks of this game Leverkusen were in complete control in terms of possession they looked like the home side. Um, I think on any other given day, they probably would have went on to win this game 2 or 3-1, to be perfectly honest with mm-hmm. you. I think Sheik could, should have scored at least two goals himself, um, yeah. if not for Cobell's outstanding goalkeeping. Um, and it, I think, you know, I don't want to be too down on Dortmund because they obviously picked up a result. They picked up a clean sheet against a big team. So, you know, that's, that's a good start to the season. But, there was a lot of that. There's a lot of what I watched that was a real repeat of last season. Um, they struggle to control games. I don't know why. They just cannot hold on to that ball. Um, and it was concerning. I, I, I do, I do kind of fear for Mukuku in this in this team. I must admit, just in the sense that, you know, obviously Dortmund have set up a certain way. They need a target man and. I don't see how Mukuku picks up game time as a backup striker in this side yeah. at all. And I think, as we saw, you know, on Saturday, he still has a long way to go before maybe he's ready at this for this level. Um, mm. And he may never be ready for this level, to be perfectly honest with you. But going based just on his physique, uh, I'm not sure if he really has the physique to be a number nine in the Bundesliga. Um, so mm. that's maybe something to ponder. I'm sure people at Dortmund are maybe pondering that right now, but. On the whole, I think Dortmund would be happy with the result, and I think Leverkusen will probably be happy with the performance. I mean, I know they obviously won't admit that because they lost the game, but I kind of said in the previews that I think man for man, Leverkusen can match Dortmund. I think they proved that on Saturday. 
Um, and if they had a bit more luck on their side, I think they probably would have at least got a draw from this game. Yeah, I would I would agree with all of that. I, I thought Schick should have had scored two. I mean, really should have scored two. Um, as good as Kobel was, but that's the kind of stuff that he usually puts away. Mm. Um, for me, I thought Dortmund started really well, and that included Munkuku. Um, mm. the, the real drop in performance came when Adeyemi went off injured. That was like a clear break in what they were doing and how they continued the match. And this is, I think, one of the concerns I have about Dortmund at the moment. And I guess we'll get into whether Modesta is going to be the man to fix that. Um, but they're really just one injury away from being very average. And mm-hmm. you saw that on, on in this game. They went from, wow, this attack is breathtaking. Um, they're going to score two or three goals in the first 20 minutes to they're not going to score another goal this game and they're going to be lucky if they win this game 1-0, let alone have a draw or like, you know, and they did end up grinding it out. But Mm. offensively, there wasn't very much left. And I find that very concerning because Torgen Hazard came on for Adeyemi and it was just not the same. And Adeyemi is a great player. I mean, he does make that first goal happen. Uh, Royce is the one who eventually shuffles it um over the line. Can 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 we talk about this for a second? I feel like yeah. I feel like Adeyemi totally robbed of that goal. Not just <laughs> not not by Royce who was just doing his job and making sure it went over the line, but yeah. I've watched the replays and I'm hundred percent convinced that ball was already over the line before Royce kicked it. Huh. So I have no idea why they haven't retroactively gone back and said that's Adeyemi's goal. They still might. Sometimes they do it later. Yeah, maybe. Right. Um, so this, I mean, this yeah, could still go to Andy Yimi. Yeah, it could do. I mean, I completely agree with all you've said. I mean, I think the only really, I think obviously Dortmund fans would point to injuries that they've got, obviously, right? Um, yeah. I think all but one of their, I think um, Schlotterbeck is the only signing that they've got who's now currently fit, you mm-hmm. know, or at least it was in that game. I'm sure Andy Yimi will be fine for the next match. Yeah. Um, but I, I guess you could make the point that if you have. Nicolas Sula on that back line. If you have Ozkan next to Dahoud with Jude Bellingham maybe further up the pitch, maybe Dortmund control that game a little bit more, you know? Mm. Um I wrote an article I actually wrote a newsletter before this season kicked off, trying making the point that Bellingham really needs to kind of push up the park and become a bit more of an attacking player this season. Uh, I I really do think he's wasted just kind of dancing around defenders or dancing around midfielders as a six. Um, I think he's probably better as an, at least an out now eight or a ten, um, and so you know you can maybe make the argument that they, you know, if they if they had a fully fit squad, they'd have much stronger foundations. But uh, I really do think that showed how much they they probably will need Modest. Yeah, I actually almost there was rumors, and I think they have been denied since that Kalamutsa uh, Nodoy could come in from Chelsea. Um, mm. I wouldn't hate that. I, I'm not sure it's the the right signing. I'm not sure you want to bring in a player who has struggled with fitness um, for what is now what three or four years going to be the solution. Um, I think, yeah. I mean, the, the things that you said too about Mukuku, I, I think he's probably almost better off playing a little wide than in the middle um, because I agree with you. He's he's not a target man. He doesn't have the physique. And that brings us back to uh, Modest. 
Well, when I first heard the rumor and I was, I was told that this would happen, um, I thought, okay, well, this is not the most inspiring thing ever. And then I went back to look at the stats last year and I completely forgot how that he scored 20 goals and four assists for Köln last year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's very good. <laughs> if he gets 20, 25 goals for Dortmund this year, I mean, can they really complain? No, I don't think so. And I mean, my newsletter, which will be out by the time people listen to this, kind of talks about this briefly, and I won't really go too much into detail. People can go have a listen, but yeah. I do kind of compare his playing styles to Sebastian Haller's, and I think there's some things that he maybe lacks that Haller would, will eventually bring to this Dortmund team uh, in terms of build-up play, which I think Modeste does kind of lack. I think he's, I think Modeste's mm-hmm. a very good sharp number nine. He can finish off moves. Um, I just don't think he brings other players in perhaps as much as Modeste. Uh, Sebastian Haller does, which is totally fine because there's a reason Haller costs what 32 million euros and yeah. uh, Modest doesn't. Um, but so you know, I think he's maybe uh, you know he's, he's he's very much. What's the word I'm looking for here? He's a one-dimensional striker, um, and I don't mean that disparaging me. I mean he's very good at what he does, um, but um, I think other aspects of his game are perhaps lacking, and 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 lacking in the sense that Dortmund would want in a star striker. Mm. Um, so I think Modeste's a good stopgap. If I was a Cologne fan, I'd maybe be a little pissed off that he has once again left him in the lurch. Um, <laughs> and we should uh, you talk know, about that because there's, the, there's been some skating articles, uh, yeah. including in Germany's kicker and Stefan Baumgart used language that we should not repeat on this podcast in a public press conference. <laughs> to describe what he felt about how he felt about this transfer. Well, yeah, exactly. You know, and I can understand that because well, it's a it's an odd one. But I don't know. It's it it I, th- I think in I think in the end it'll probably be fine for Dortmund. I think he does he, he definitely fills a hole in that team that no one else can play unless they stuck Sula up front. Um so, which perhaps isn't a bad idea since he did used to play as a striker uh in his youth days, but yeah. um we'll just have to kind of wait and see how he does, I suppose. Yeah. It's it's a I think I find it fascinating. And I'm I actually um as I was putting together the done deal text for Transfermarkt, and um there's a link to this the, the words that Stefan Baumgart said in the article. I did not put them in the article because <laughs> It should not be printed. <laughs> um, you can look them up there. Um, but I do actually think that, I think Modest is going to get 20, 25 goals for Dortmund this year, Stefan. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you'll get about half that. Okay. Well, we'll see. <laughs> well, I'll, we'll, we'll bet uh, a free backs at the Transfermarkt HQ. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whoever loses can fetch a free beer out of the fridge. Yeah, exactly. Whoever loses gets the beer out of the fridge. That sounds like a good deal. Um, let's move on to the this, the Sunday games. And uh, Leipzig also. I, I thought they're going to beat Stuttgart. Um, Florian Müller, outstanding performance in Stuttgart's goal. Um, denied Nkunku several times. And right on cue... And I don't think this is an Nkunku replacement at all, at least not this year. Leipzig have secured the signing of Timo Werner. In fact, 
As we record this on my second screen, I see a video of Timo Werner right outside the hotel in Leipzig. He's going to do his medicine check, medical today, or the medicine check, as they say in German, and uh, sign a deal with Leipzig. This is a permanent transfer, Stefan. 20 million up front, 10 million um, with bonuses. This mm. is something that, um, this is what sources have told me. That's Chelsea wanted this. They didn't want a loan deal. They wanted to just sell him. Um, interesting. Hmm. It's it, it is interesting. I, I'm. I, I know. I, I get this, <laughs> I get the sigh here, and I have very much many of the same feelings. No, it's not. No, it's it's it's, it's, it's not a sigh. I'm just trying to figure out how to say what I was trying to say there because it's, it's a big topic because we're talking about two forwards joining a club that yeah. already have about seven or eight genuine forward <laughs> players um you know i, I kind of made a joke about this about obviously you know the salzburg player making a move to leipzig and i mm. said you know well surprise surprise leipzig are signing on a salzburg player but also i have no idea where they expect him to play and i had some people push back saying oh well, obviously so and so is going to leave and obviously they're going to sell this person but but are I don't, they I don't think anything's obvious at all. You know, I had someone yeah. say, well, Andre Silva's obviously going to leave next season. How's that obvious? Andre Silva is a starting player in Tedesco's side. He's their only number nine. Uh, okay, you've got Poulsen, you've got Sorloth, you've got Forsberg. These guys, are they moving on? Because it's news to them. Um, you know, and then, of course, you've got Hugo Novoa, who's obviously, I think, done very well since he came into mm-hmm. the side. He's another player who will depend on the first team spot. And then the most interesting thing about this is that the one player who would probably be fighting with him for a starting spot is Dominic Schobeschlei, who they just signed from Salzburg, who just did the exact same thing at Salzburg. He probably was even more impressive in his time at the club. And he's really struggled to kind of make the great at Leipzig, in my opinion. So I get that Leipzig obviously are part of this bigger network and, you know, the people pulling the strings at these clubs is, are probably saying, well, Man United or Aston Villa or Newcastle want this guy, so let's move him to Leipzig before they get him. But I, I just don't understand how anyone at Leipzig looks at that squad and thinks we should snap up this guy from Salzburg because we really need him, because they don't. And, of course, they've also just decided to sign Timo Werner, who's another player who will take a slot in that team. Um, so... I'm sure he'll do well. Um, I'm sure Timo Werner can do well. He's another player I touched on in my newsletter this week, so you can go read that as to whether he'll do well at Leipzig or not. But looking at these two players coming in, you have to kind of wonder whether Leipzig do plan on selling maybe four or five forwards before the end of the summer. Yeah, it it does leave... um, I think it leaves a lot of questions to be asked. Um. Because I think we, I'm really curious to read your letter. I haven't read it yet. Um, obviously, it's not out yet, but I'm really curious to read it because and we touched on this a little bit last last week um, that Werner and Nkunku's profile is quite similar in a lot of ways. Mm. And I almost wonder if we're going to see an evolution by Christopher Nkunku um, that, his, that he's going to play a little bit of a different role. But that's still uh, then what's going to happen with Andre Silva. I think you know he's probably the one that's going to stay, and they're going to try to finally sell Alexander Serlot. Um, but there's so many other issues in that squad. Um, central midfield comes to mind, where Sava Schlager couldn't even make the starting eleven, even though you know Konrad Leimer was out with an injury. 
Uh, and of course, you know, him out being out of injury opened the, the door to all sorts of speculations until the club released that he had problems with his adductors um, and that's why he couldn't play. So no immediate sale coming there. But it's it's all very, I find it very, very interesting. I think with the the Shesko deal, the Benjamin Shesko deal from Salzburg, the way I interpret this is, oh, we lost out in Erling Haaland. That will not happen again. So we're doing this. Mm. it's like why not transfer this is i think what i wrote to you in the chat as well right it's like this is a why not transfer yeah of course <laughs> but, the, but, the, but the, the problem with that is that leipzig have a leipzig now have a squad full of players like that yeah who and, yeah. and we, we've we've talked about this in the preview this the fact that overall their squad probably in terms of depth and in terms of overall quality and market value whatever you want to define it by um, it's probably one of the best in the league, but in terms of like the strength of a start at eleven, they're probably not up there with Bayern or Dortmund or maybe even Leverkusen because they don't have a Patrick Schick, they don't have a Florian Vertz, they don't have a Jude Bellingham, they don't have, you know, and then there's a whole bunch of players at Bayern Munich obviously who come in front of them. They have yeah. a bunch of six or seven out of ten players who two years ago were very exciting, but have been sitting on the bench in Saxony for the last two years, <laughs> you know? So it's, 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 I don't know. I, I mean, I think Leipzig are very good in the transfer window. Don't get me wrong, transfer market. And there are, there are a bunch of good players there who are doing very well. Um, but like you said, it's, it's almost as if like the temptation is too much and they've just gone yeah. for it because, because of the temptation rather than because it makes any sense. It's like when I sit in a bar and like the, the, the barkeeper asks, do you want another beer? I don't really need it. And I'm actually kind of ready to go home, but I have another because why not? <laughs> 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 Without actually thinking about the consequences. <laughs> yeah, that's a good analogy. It's, it's, it kind of feels like that, you know? And um, Leipzig so, are drunk on Salzburg players. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> it's... But it's totally like that. I mean, it's. I mean, at least they don't have to really worry about it until next summer, right? Um, because he's not signing until twenty twenty three. Big fee to twenty four million euros, I guess. Money out one pocket, one into the other. Um, so there's that. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's. It's. I'm curious, and I. I have. I personally think that they are not done. I think there's a lot more happening, and it's just the reason why we are confused is because it's. It's still kind of shape it's all still be kind of shaping in front of us um and i think that is maybe something interesting as well as the reconstruction decide and like it bet- reading between the lines is although oliver minzlaff the ceo is the one who's running around the world getting these deals done it feels like someone else is already pushing the buttons which is of mm-hmm. course interesting too yeah that is very interesting Especially if it's someone higher up who may also have a foot in the Salzburg camp as well. Mm. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I mean, there is a lot of different interest groups involved in this club, and we all know that the ultimate goal is to win the Champions League, um, just to fill that big silver cup with as much Red Bull as possible. Um, because you know. That's nothing. Nothing screams marketing better than a, a silver cup full of Red Bull. Um, before we wrap this up, uh, I want to really briefly talk about the final game, and uh, this is two of Germany's 
biggest clubs mm. uh, in Köln and Schalke. And I just saw you tweet, Stefan. That's not very nice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't think anyone will have any idea what I'm talking about because I tweeted it out when we were talking about the pre-match notes and I was like, this is ridiculous. So context context for uh, listeners here. I, uh, on, on, on Sunday, missed the Cologne game. I was walking my dog, I think. And I had Chris Williams, who's obviously of, formerly of this parish, still of this parish, you could argue, um, certainly maybe going forward as well uh, mm-hmm. and Manu talking about this game and Manu was going apoplectic at the Schalke <laughs> disallowed goal uh, he was trying to explain it in the group chat he was trying to explain it to Chris who's obviously a qualified referee as to why it could not have counted uh, I had no idea what they were talking about and then you know 24 hours later I'm doing some research for the show I, li- I, t- I stick on the highlights on the Bundesliga YouTube channel and I'm still none the wiser because they've decided to not include, include the disallowed goal at all. So I still have no idea whether this disallowed goal should have counted or not. Um, but I'll, let, I'll maybe let you maybe explain it, Manu, and whether you think uh, it should have counted. Also, I think it should have counted. And I asked Chris, who, who is very good at this stuff, and he said it should have definitely counted too. Um, yes, Yoshida is offside, but he doesn't interfere with the line of sight of the goalkeeper. There's actually a picture online where you can see that there's a clear line from the goalkeeper to the ball. So he doesn't interfere with the line of sight, which means he's not active. There's also three other Köln players in that very same line. If you if they call this a line of sight, which is not because there was a clear line of sight, but there were three other Köln guys standing there too. On top of that, the shot gets deflected and hits the top corner and the shot goes 120 miles an hour. Like I don't know if it was that fast, but you, you get the idea. And hits the top corner, and goalkeeper doesn't even react because there was nothing to react to. They, this, this was a clear goal. He couldn't have saved it even if he had seen it. or he, I mean, he did see it. But even if, let, let's say, um, Yoshida hadn't been there, he would still haven't had the chance to, see, to, to, to stop the shot, which makes made Chris say the following. If this was the Champions League, this goal would have stood. And he thinks also that, when I'm paraphrasing here, um, that the big issue here is that the Bundesliga sometimes interprets laws different than they do um, in, to UEFA or the Premier League. And in this particular case, the goal, in his opinion, should have stood. Um, then there was a red card incident. I initially said that's not a red card. Um, I have no problem when people say it is one. You know, you make the very important point that you, you feel, feel like it looked like it could have broken a leg. Fair enough. You know, this is not something that I would argue. Um, if you give that red card, that's fine. But the goal should have stood. And I think the goal makes a difference in play. And yes, you know, once once Köln are up uh, a man and not down a goal, the goal differ- the, the XG was something like 4.37 to 0.51. Um, and their dominance was there to, for everyone to see. But at the same time, I, I kind of have my doubts whether the game turns out that way if the Salazar goal stands in the first place. And I can see why Schalke fans are upset. I, I saw one of the, there's a big Schalke fan club in Canada that sent me a picture yesterday on Twitter where they showed the VAR <laughs> room with the referees looking at the monitors and Köln flags and like uh, the scarf and everything on the walls all around the screens. So they have a clear opinion of what went on there. <laughs> yeah. 
there's also kind of like another aspect to this that in media circles in German football, there's a kind of running joke that everyone at the Bundesliga is a Cologne fan because mm-hmm. the offices are in Cologne and because the city is so lovely and the, the club itself is lovely as well that international folk who tend to move to Cologne end up becoming Cologne fans because it's yeah. such a charming place. Um, I'm not suggesting that's maybe why this this load goal wasn't on the YouTube channel. I would possibly suggest such a thing, except on Twitter. Uh, but it's <laughs> uh, it's it's an unfortunate way for Schalke to start the new season, that's for sure. Yeah, I think the Salazar goal uh, would have deserved to start because it was a nice goal and it was a nice return to, to the league. Um, my only little bit of advice is Salazar went straight to the Köln fans and celebrated in front of them. Um, so maybe there's a little bit of karma involved in that, that the goal then was disallowed. <laughs> but yeah, I think it should have stood. But, you know, it wouldn't be a, a start to the Bundesliga season without some VR controversy. And uh, here we are, match day one. We already got it. So Schalke fans will be upset. Köln fans, who traditionally have been very critical about the very bunker that's in their very city, will be very happy with this result, I think. So, yeah. There we have it. Well, guys, um, that wraps up match day one recap. I'm happy that it is back. Of course, on Wednesday, we have the the game uh, between Frankfurt and Real Madrid in Helsinki. Um, a lot of people, Bundesliga fans, will probably be watching that. And we will be back with an, another midweek podcast. Uh, Stefan will have his article on Modeste and Werner going to their news clubs. I will be doing something on Jordan Sibachu and on Union Berlin recruiting. So look out for those on the Substack. And we'll be back later this week, also with our usual preview show. Well, as always, the show is brought to you by Bet Online. And until next time, auf Wiedersehen. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.